Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, welcome back to the Savage Class Podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Wes Bubble. With me, as always, my co-host Dylan Reagan. We're back here to look back at the Week Two action in the NFL. To this point, uh, we're recording this uh, during the day on Monday, so of course, two Monday night games uh, with the Bills, Titans, and Eagles, Vikings still nice. yet to be played. And uh, just for reference, I picked the Vikings to beat the Eagles. Dylan picked the Eagles. We both picked the Bills, and uh, I made the Bills my betting lock of the week. So. We will not be reviewing those to this point, but uh, we will be reviewing some of the action, and uh, we'll talk about kind of some of the fallout from it, to look at some stock up, stock down, waiver wire pickups, all kinds of stuff uh, to get you ready moving forward. So let's start off the Thursday night game. It's been a little while now, but yeah. <laughs> um, the Chiefs and the Chargers, again, it's, it's just, I don't know, there's so much, well, it was like it was a week ago, but um, a very interesting game. The Chiefs get a 24 win with the Chargers um, on Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, the biggest concern coming out of the game was obviously Justin uh, Herbert's uh, injury situation, but it looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, And, you know, I guess this week may be kind of up in the air. But, I mean, to me, this felt like an opportunity for the Chargers, you know, to the way they started the game. But, you know, once again, it's just like the Chiefs find a way. And, uh, I mean, my goodness, this guy just – Patrick Mahomes he just keeps finding ways and I feel like to this point thus far we're early but I feel like I just did not give the Chiefs enough credit for what he can do uh, because you know we kind of none of us picked them in the Super Bowl Um, so now though you look at this team and what they're capable of this was kind of what you expected game wise but it does in some ways feel like a bit of a missed opportunity here for the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, all for all the great things Mahomes did and a few of the th- amazing throws he made, I would say there were uh, there was a portion of the game where he didn't look like his usual just amazing self that we always kind of look past because he, we just expect such greatness from him. He was a little more down to earth, and the Chargers had an opportunity. I mean, they the amount of I feel like we say this all the time with the Chargers. I don't have as much concern as previous iterations because of what Herbert can do and some of the things I think they'll learn from obviously the hurrying up with Gerald Everett just after he pounded through for a a big gain inside the five and throwing a quick pass to him and he's exhausted and little things like that that happen that you think can get fixed Uh, the drop Asante Samuel Jr. interception when it was 17-7 that if he picks that off they're they're at least going to get a field goal there to go up by 13 it's just those kind of mistakes where you feel like all right these are things that they weren't like complete meltdown issues but um, and, and the fact that Herbert's just insane and takes that hit and stays in there. You, you go from one play, obviously, and like you said, it's, it's almost a week ago now, but it's still really fresh in the mind with how he, he had that third and one where he could have easily gone for a first down. Ends up throwing the ball away, and you're like, man, he just why is he out there? Next thing you know, he throws a dart on fourth down <laughs> deep down the seam, and it's like, yeah, this guy's just legit. And the, the pieces are there. They had this game, like you said. It's a missed opportunity for sure, but at the same time for the Chiefs, they're a strong team. Um, I think their defense looked okay at points. It wasn't still still not going to be that dominant unit, but maybe a bit like we kind of talked about going into the season. If they can just be more middle of the pack, yeah, that's all they might need with this offense. And they did make that, obviously, the huge interception there uh, and the pick six that kind of changed everything in that game. But beyond that, I, I still think the Chiefs are just f- figuring out who they what they can be. I, I think on offense, they uh, they I mean – for all the things the Chargers did to try to help defending the run. The Chiefs still ran quite well. There's some things in the passing game that I think could work with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. In addition, he had 44 yards through the air. But, um, yeah, it's, with the pieces they have, and we'll obviously get to the Dolphins game and what <laughs> what Tyreek Hill did, um, and you're still missing that kind of element, I still think they have enough interesting things they can do. And, and the, at the end of the day, Mahomes is still Mahomes. If he just can lock in like he does for some of those plays consistently, drive in and drive out, 
and uh, if they figure out a few more things to get to kind of work off the running game I, I know with a guy like Mahomes that might not be the smartest thing to do to the team wants you to probably run the ball a bit more um, that you're facing but I don't know I think that this offense for Kansas City it just felt like they are just still figuring out what they can do and I'm still yeah like you said we didn't pick them to make the Super Bowl but right now uh, with a lot of teams that are I would say untrustworthy or that I'm not a little bit down on this week I'd say that Kansas City uh, they even if they'd lost this game, I would have been like, you know what, they still have some things they're figuring out, and they have a chance to be really good within a few weeks as they continue to find their identity. Yep, I think so. But the, the Chiefs off to a good start. Uh, my Super Bowl uh, participant Chargers uh, lose a, a tough one here, but we'll see how both teams bounce back or how the Chargers bounce back yeah. uh, moving forward. All right, as we said, Vikings-Eagles, one of the other games of the week that will take place uh, tonight, so we don't know the result of that just yet. But um, we will see how it plays out. And on to the betting locks. There's uh, another one. Like I said, the Bills minus 9.5 was my pick. So you're either nodding your head in approval right now or you're laughing at me, uh, depending on how the game unfolded. Uh, all right. Well, there's another one you may be laughing at. And uh, it's all right, Dylan, because now I can officially say that the Establish the Fast podcast, at one point, known as the people who were just going out and just picking up people to put them on the Bengals bandwagon way before the bandwagon had anyone on it. Well, that sound you hear is uh, Dylan and I jumping off the Bengals bandwagon when it comes to our betting locks because I go over in week one with the Bengals. Now Dylan picks the Bengals, who were seven-and-a-half-point favorites in Dallas against the Cowboys. And not only do we miss our betting locks, uh, they lose both games, which yeah. uh, is more concerning at this point, without question. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys get the win here over the Bengals. Um, I, I don't really know what we can kind of say to this because I think we fully expected a bounce back here from the Bengals, and yet, you know, you watch how this game plays out, and, you know, they're able to kind of get back in and have their chance, but Cowboys 20-17, 50-yard field goal as time expired, and Cooper Rush, um, he's here to stay. So, uh, I don't, I mean, this is just, I mean, look, we talked about the Bengals schedule, right? And we kind of said a lot of that was going to be based on, you know, winning some of these early games, but now they're 0-2 and now you look at the schedule beyond, you're like, man, especially that second half of the schedule is pretty brutal. These are these are just two kind of head scratching losses to start the season for the Bengals. Yeah, between the two quarterbacks you lose to, um, and Cooper Rush and Mitch Trubisky, that is not yeah. something that's inspiring. When you think about some of the teams that are down the, the line of the schedule, we already talked about how tough the Bengals' schedule is, and you get you you think a break uh, with with Dak being out in this game, and then Cooper Rush did his job. I wouldn't say he played fantastic football, but he played uh, given his given what your expectations were. I think he lived up to them, and and more so just didn't lose the game for them uh, as the game went on the Bengals defense really locked things down I it's kind of felt in some way different not as exciting as uh the Bengals Steelers week one game was but um and, and obviously the Bengals if they just make an extra point or a field goal we're not talking about them at 0-2 we're talking about them at 1-1 one one from the week before but uh it still felt similar in terms of the defense looking fine for large portions of the game but the offense just being dis- it's just disappointing because it, you know we go into this off season and the Bengals identify hey like we probably win the Super Bowl for offensive line just a bit better and they they add all these guys Leo Collins Kappa they bring in Karras and you think that things are going to be better and it's just they got beat up in this game and it was at times when Micah was lined up over Collins he got him to go false start at least once and just kind of they they look jitterish for large portions of this game. And I, I know the Cowboys have a solid defense. And, uh, you know, we looked at last year where they finished in DVOA this year off to a solid start um, through two games, even against Tampa Bay. You know, they, they played pretty dang well last week. Um, so I'm not taking away too much from how tough this opponent was for the Bengals offense. But we still saw Cincinnati put up better, uh, you know, performances against tougher defenses down the stretch last year. Uh, yeah, they did get a little bit lucky last year with some of the injuries that the Ravens had. Um, and those matchups, but man, it, it's it's definitely it's spooky season for the Bengals right now because yeah, they had just so many opportunities again. Like obviously last week with the missed field goals, but this week, I mean, they had the whole second half was just right there for the taking. They they settled for the couple field goals. Their defense is really dominating until that last uh, drive where they you know still wasn't that bad of, of defense before that field goal uh, at the end. But man, that he, just they're all, the defense really for Cincinnati. 
has played up to the expectations I would have had for them going into the year. Uh, if you told me that, that Cincinnati was going to play like this quality of football on that side, I would think they'd be 2-0 and for sure. And they're not, and it's just concerning. And, you know, for Dallas' sake, uh, for all the jokes and memes from last week, like uh, this is still a team that's uh, – solid on defense like they have the the people the personnel it's not and micah parsons is at the center of that but they have other guys on this defense that are uh uh, make this a solid unit so even without Dak in this division as we've talked about it unless the eagles really just go off we'll see what happens but by the time you listen to this that might not be the case at all um i I still think dallas is going to be fine they just have to weather the storm it also sounds like Dak's potentially going to be back within just a few weeks so uh, good, good things going on for them and for Cincinnati. Man, they gotta, they really gotta figure out some stuff on offense because it. By the time they made some of the adjustments and they started to stop going out of empty, there was the, the yeah, you could see on the telecast in the third quarter where Joe just literally looking at the sideline saying no, no more empty. It's like these are things that they've thrived on last year, and we knew teams were going to make adjustments to them in this offseason. But it is, it has been more stark and more striking than I had expected going into the year. All right, to our upset. What are you talking about? We're off to a, a rousing start here. Um, although you're going to get one right here in a yeah. second, which by the by, I don't know how you did, but you did. Um, <laughs> the Patriots at the Steelers was my upset pick of the week. Although we both picked the Steelers to win the game, mm-hmm. uh, and I said this was felt like the Browns Panthers week one to me. I was like, I have no idea why the Patriots are favored. Well, again, that's rather the reason guys in Vegas or the guys in Vegas because may nail this one. Patriots win at seventeen fourteen. I still don't know why the, the Patriots were the favorite, but I guess there was something there that's, um, that we could, could see somehow, and just maybe it's the Bill Belichick effect and expect them to bounce back, and maybe there was just uh, kind of overvaluing the Steelers after that one game, seeing what the Bengals have been now through two. So um, I'll be honest, Dylan, this was, not, uh, this was not your red zone special by any means. No. Uh, if you watched the NFL red zone, this was not a game you saw a lot, uh, just based on these two teams uh, and how this one kind of unfolded. But... Um, Steelers sort of come back down to earth here. Uh, a couple turnovers that obviously didn't help, but overall, I don't, I don't know. Like, I still think the Steelers and the Patriots are kind of middle of the pack, yeah. just based on other teams and what we've seen thus far. But um, hey, it was a nice bounce back for the Patriots, who absolutely needed that win, and they got it. Yeah, don't have a ton of takeaways from this one, as you mentioned. It was with uh, there were some issues with Sunday Ticket, but here uh, in LA. This was the only solo game on in the morning, so I had this in red zone. And, man, I, I, I'll tell you, my eyes were glued on red zone for most of the time because it was ugly for most of that first half. I mean, really the difference is one Nelson Aguilar mossing a DB play from this game going the other way. It wasn't like these teams were completely separated by that uh, by that wide of a margin. I feel like for the Steelers at times, a little frustrating to see the usage in the passing game. I know it's Mitch Trubisky, but, man, you have some – you have some good big body receivers. You might want to use them like they are <laughs> those kind of guys, and uh, especially uh, against uh, some of the DBs with New England. I'm not sure if they they really utilized that uh, you know that uh, matchup to their advantage as they could have. They tried to run the ball a ton, as we know. Najee Harris's usage rate is going to be really high throughout the year, but they were getting pounded for most of the game running the ball. They could not do much against New England's front, and New England expected that, and they took advantage. So, I mean, they're like you said. I wouldn't say. New England, it's suddenly uh, back in, uh, you know, thinking they're going to be a for sure playoff team. I think the, the AFC right now is a lot of a lot of mixed bags and a lot of, still early to figure out these kind of things. And I thought at times Mac looked okay, but also not great. Um, uh, I would say Damian Harris is probably the one big standout outside of uh, Aguilar, and uh, Jacoby Myers had a pretty big week as well. But um, overall, at the offense, I mean, it's a tough Pittsburgh defense, but it's still without. Um, T.J. Watt in there. I mean, it makes a, a, a big difference. I, I, There's a lot of clips of Cole Strange single, you know, without uh, any help blocking Cam Hayward pretty well. So, I mean, that's an encouraging takeaway from New England. But overall, um, just a game that could have gone either way, that two teams that I just don't know offensive firepower-wise if either has enough to compete with the big boys in the, in the AFC this year. But um, they can definitely stick around in the playoff race because their defenses are solid enough and uh, just uh, yeah, not you know we talked about how this is the first time since the late '90s that either Big Ben or Tom Brady weren't starting in a Steelers Patriots game, and uh, it felt like that. <laughs> it didn't have the it didn't have the appeal and uh, kind of the same luster as some of those past matchups. Yeah, not quite uh, for this, but all right, this next one uh, had a lot more excitement to it. Yes, uh, and uh, Dylan gets uh, this one correct as the Dolphins were three and a half point underdogs against the Ravens. 
and the Dolphins somehow find a way to win this game just um, easily. It's funny to think back, Dylan, because as I watched this game play out, I was thinking back several years ago when we had that Ravens-Dolphins game. Yep. Was that week one? Yep. And the Ravens just completely obliterated the Dolphins, and we were talking about the Dolphins as one of the worst teams in NFL history, maybe. Um, and, yeah, uh, things have kind of changed now when you look up and two of passes for six touchdowns in this game. Uh, Lamar is a beast. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle both had huge days. Big plays across the board, but I think obviously the biggest takeaway here is I don't know what happened to the Ravens or this to just <laughs> I mean what they're you look at the way this game plays out and you know at halftime you're probably sitting there thinking all right the Dolphins are just going to kind of be you know maybe what we thought they were this season in terms of they're just not there yet but down 28 to seven down 35 to 14 going to the fourth quarter I mean all of a sudden. You know, Tyreek Hill happens, and just two Tyreek Hill plays, and it is just madness. And somehow, 42-38, Dolphins wind up coming back to win this game. Um, I don't even know where you start here. Uh, I mean, it was just, this was easily, you know, one of the more exciting games if you you got to see how this played out, especially one of the most exciting quarters probably we've seen in a while. Um, But, I mean... Two of passing for six touchdowns. Count me in on the person that did not have that on my board at any point this season. So it was it was a, n- a nutty game. I mean, the Ravens, if they don't get stuffed on that one fourth and goal early in the game, they had some other kind of weird things happen. I feel like this even they put the push this lead even further ahead. But to the Dolphins' credit, they kept battling. And I mean, the Ravens' defense they, they have, they're way healthier than last year. That's not the same excuses as last season right now. Um, that they can point to. Uh, I mean, it was just crazy in that second half. How I mean, some of the times how open Tyreek was. I you know stock up for sure on, on uh, Mike McDaniel here in terms of what this offense was able to do. Because early last you know last week they they had the fumble touchdown against the Patriots and the offense didn't really put up like a had a, a great performance by any means. And even early in this game, uh, they had a solid first drive. But after that, it, it wasn't like they were lighting the scoreboard on fire then suddenly yeah that second half it just everything switched the defense also turned up to another gear they they, you know it looked like early in the game Baltimore going back to that game last year where the Dolphins just completely shut down Baltimore they came kind of came out with some similar stuff with their scheme early on from Miami and Baltimore had all the answers uh Lamar looked fantastic I'd say um if I'm a Ravens fan I'm uh, you know, it's a mixed kind of emotions here because you saw Lamar have one of his better passing first halves probably ever, uh, was throwing the ball insanely well, had the, the long touchdown run. I mean, just really everything was working for them on that side. But at the same, on the same, on the other end of the coin, it's like this defense just got completely roasted in that second half. And I know Miami has some really talented fast players that are tough to keep up with. And Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, great as a fantasy owner in one of my leagues for him, having 19 targets, really thrilled about that. Tyreek, obviously, with 13 as well. And both guys with 11 catches and a couple touchdowns, almost 200 yards. So these are fantastic players, but you can't you can't have both those guys going off like that against you. And it's just an interesting thing to look forward with the Ravens and kind of see as we go on throughout the years. Like, is this defense just not, you know, is it still lacking that kind of, uh, you know, what they used to be in Baltimore. Not that they expected Baltimore to have one of those dominant defenses from the Ray Lewis era and even a few years after. But, uh, man, it was it was tough in that second half to watch them because it felt like every single play, I mean, not, and again, you got to give some credit to Mike McDaniel. The, the running play that they had uh, to Chase Edmonds, who as a fantasy owner of him as well, not, not the best uh, day, but they had a really good play call in that set, you know, with about – 50 seconds left in the game, down three, already in field goal range on second and one. They, they basically took the, the Ravens' pressure look and had a nice uh, running play that adjusted against it, and it almost broke all the way for a touchdown, got them inside the 10. I mean, little things here and there where, I mean, Mike McDaniel was just clicking with his with his play calling. Tua made some – he had a couple picks. Overall wasn't, like, perfect by any means, but um, still some plays where you saw him improv more than we have in previous years. He benefited from some crazy Mike Gusecki Mike catch in the back of the end zone for one of the touchdowns Jalen Waddle was making a lot of contested catches but overall I thought Tua played pretty well and maybe I don't know if this is a Super Bowl contender by any means um, but man they're exciting and I think they're definitely going to be in the playoff hunt uh, with their coach in this offense and uh, you hope that the defense can just tick it up a bit more Baltimore has a really tough attack to, to uh, you know face and um, but I think over the course of the year if Miami's defense can 
just get a you know a little more in that middle of the pack then yeah this is going to be a fun team maybe this will be our our Bengals from last year that we can we can watch and follow and enjoy uh the same way I'm hoping Cincinnati still bounces back but right now Miami fins are fins are very far up at the moment <laughs> all right we will go through our our quick picks here the rest of the way we'll do this uh two minute drill style and kind of run through some of these other games the Browns um Jets did another oh, one man. kind of wild there uh Browns feel like they should have had a win in this one but uh that did not happen because the Jets come storming back and uh, they get the onside kick. Garrett Wilson, big day. Uh, Joe Flacco going back in the in the day here, picking up a nice game. Four touchdowns. How about that? A six-touchdown game for two, a four-touchdown game for Joe Flacco. Uh, there was something, again, that I don't think anyone had pegged coming into this one, but the Jets went a wild one in Cleveland. Yeah, that Cleveland Browns, I mean, this is a, just such a brutal loss in terms of not just even those last couple of touchdowns and the onside kick, but you had two guys that could have fallen down and I for Chubb it's tough at the end you're at the like one and a half yard line how do you slide without being short of the first down to gain to end the game um before his touchdown but I mean Kareem Hunt the play before goes out of bounds with like 202 left if he he had a chance to slide in bounds game over it's over then not not even worried about it that's what's just so frustrating but then you still have to you still can't let Corey Davis get you know 20 30 yards behind the defense can't you got to recover the onside kick and then letting Joe Flacco drive down to beat you it's just those things can't happen a, a, a wacky game a really tough one for the Browns because they're they have this early part of the schedule that lined up so well for them and they we talked about early you know previewing the season they had to win four of these first six games five of these first six games whatever it was going to be to kind of weather the storm until Deshaun gets back at the back half of the schedule and it just didn't happen so Jets good for them and uh, Garrett Wilson I mean he looked good last week that it was at certain points a little tough trying to get things going overall as an offense for the Jets last week but Garrett Wilson looks fantastic I've, I've just uh, so far definitely on him I, I'm really excited to watch him the rest of the way yep uh, for sure I think uh, again he will be someone fantasy wise we'll probably talk about here in just a few all right the Lions get the win over the Commanders 36-27 High-scoring game uh, here in this one, but the uh, Lions offense looking pretty good right now as well. Yeah, Lions offensive line just dominant again. Jared Goff, uh, we, as we talked about, if things are working well around him, he can be pretty dang good for you. And uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, another big week. His fantasy stock keeps flying up. And overall, just, yeah, I mean, the defense, it's kind of what we talked about before the year with the, with the Lions. They're, they have a solid enough offense. The defense is probably going to be not great. And, you know, early in the game, they got away with some things, got some key turnovers. The commander stormed back. Um, and that's kind of going to, I feel like that's kind of a theme we might see for the Lions all season. They're going to be really fun red zone team to watch. I don't know how many games they'll win, but yeah, the, the offense, the offensive line looking pretty good for Detroit. Yep. Uh, the Lions, another fantasy pleasing team at the moment uh, as it comes to their offense for sure. All right. Uh, the Bucks finally get the win over the Saints 20 to 10 here in this one. Uh, didn't look great for a while there, but Bucks were 17 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, Lattimore ejected. Um, Evans going to be suspended a game, but um, yeah, uh, Bucks just needed to get a win against the Saints, and they, they got it here. Yeah, the defense for Tampa Bay looked great again, uh, building off last week. The offense, again, sputtering for Tampa Bay at points. They, they ended up finding it a little bit late. They still get that, you know, the pick six that helps boost that score up to, to 20. They really only scored 13 points as an offense. So kind of uh, these games between the Bucks and Saints, it's hard to take away too much from them because the teams look completely different after these matchups. It's almost like they happen in a vacuum and it's and it's chaos and there's like fights and stuff like we like you talked about. But big for Tampa Bay to, you know, a game that easily could have gone uh, the Saints way at certain points. The defense kept them in it and they did just enough to get the win. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, looking pretty good there for the Bucks, 2-0 uh, off to uh, yeah, a nice start there for my Super Bowl pick uh the giants speaking of um, 2-0 starts the giants 19 to 16 winners over the panthers another game that was probably not the most thrilling on the board but um i didn't have a lot to take away from this one i thought the giants were in a pretty good position to beat the panthers here they take care of business and yeah how about the giants who were right up there in the the nfc east race at the moment yeah it was a little interesting some of their fans booing in the first half when the offense wasn't performing well and i'm like what do you what do you guys think that after this that one game in tennessee you have the best uh team in the league but no i mean they they battled it not a ton of takeaways two teams that i mean at least for the giants i think it is kind of a tale of two teams going in different directions the giants were really far down in the in the gutter and now they're working their way back up and where, where the panthers have just 
it's just still kind of there. And Baker at times did not make some some of the best throws. And man, I, I really thought they had a chance here. I picked the Carolina to to get the win. I thought after almost beating Cleveland last week, they'd bounce back better. But Giants, I will say the Giants, they still have a lot of pieces, and I, I'm afraid of what's going to happen when they face good teams. They still have a lot of pieces they need to fill in, but uh, they definitely believe in themselves, and I think they're as long, whenever they're playing teams that are in the, the bottom half of the league, they're going to have a shot, and uh, still, though, overall, kind of a, a wacky kind of another game that was kind of hard to, to take away too much from, in my opinion. I not a, it's just kind of these teams are where I thought they were. We, we kind of talked about the Giants potentially starting hot, and then over the course of the schedule it might be tougher. But uh, good for them to start 2-0 after a streak of, like, what, five or six years, something like that, where they'd gone 0-2 every season to start the year. Well, speaking of fans that have every right to boo, the Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> yes. um, if I'm a Colts fan, I'd be booing still at this point. Jags beat the Colts 24 to nothing. Uh, in Jacksonville, and we talked about the Colts' woes uh, in Jacksonville before, but this was bad. Like, they, and I know, again, the Colts are missing some key receivers, but still, yeah, this is, I mean, this is another just head-scratching performance from the Colts, um, who are winless now. My pick to win this division, they tie with the Texans, they get shut out against the Jags. Um, man, they, they did not look, I don't want to take anything from the Jags, but not a great start here for the division pick yeah no i'm not i'm not feeling great about it because they got dominated in all three phases it wasn't even just on with the colts offense sputtering i mean on the other side trevor lawrence had probably his best game of his nfl career 25 for 30 i believe yeah 25 for 30 couple touchdowns uh qbr 95 i mean they weren't even running the ball well and he still was able to perform well and made some great throws on the run just a lot of good decisions and not forcing things i think as we've talked about again doug peterson probably the right coach to get the the career back on track for for trevor but on the flip side i mean yeah the the story outside of of lawrence and his uh, potential ascendance is the colts and how man we gotta it's just gotta reevaluate their them themselves have to reevaluate where they're at because i mean it's one thing to lose to the jags but to get shut out to look this putrid on offense i know without michael pittman but gosh they couldn't they had like one good run for Jonathan Taylor, so his average six yards looks better. But really, on the course of the game, he was getting stuffed. Uh, every drive was stalling immediately. They just had nothing going, and Matt Ryan just did not. Man, he did not look good. Uh, it didn't look like the kind of oh, he has not better offensive line. Let's see what he does. I mean, the Colts' offensive line also, as we've kind of talked about, might not be quite in that top tier as as it has been the last few years. It might be still uh, one of the better, you know, still a good unit, but maybe not right on the cusp of some of the top O lines in the league. And as a result, it is it is ugly. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a tough thing uh, for us picking them to win the division. Uh, we can own it quickly right now, but at the same time, this whole division, I still don't have a ton of belief in any of the teams, but uh, the Jaguars are at least kind of fun, and we'll see if this defense can keep things going, because if the Jags' defense can even be anywhere close to solid, then yeah, they, they definitely have a chance to win this division, I think. Yeah, I think so too, based on what we've seen thus far. Um, Alright, the Rams get the win over the Falcons. This one was way more interesting than expected, probably. Yeah. Uh, another fourth quarter <laughs> rally from the Falcons here, 17 points in the fourth quarter, but uh, Rams 31, uh, Falcons 27. Uh, Rams get uh, back in their, their winning ways here as they pick up a, a nice victory at home, although, again, it was probably much closer than the people expected. Yeah, kind of a confounding game in terms of the Rams did so many things well in offense in the first half. They, they did have one pick in the end zone, quickly got an interception themselves to set up a, a touchdown before the right before the half. But, yeah, they, they got – Allen Robinson involved. They had Ben Skoranek playing fullback, and it, it really helped open up some things. He's a great blocker. Cooper Cup had some great blocks on the Daryl Henderson touchdown, for example. So they did some good things. The defense looked great in the first half. It almost kind of looked like they just kind of let their foot off the gas pedal, and the Falcons worked back in it, made some big plays, some, some really bad turnovers by the Rams that helped the Falcons get back into it. And, yeah, they could have easily – one there at the end of Jalen Ramsey. It's funny, Jalen drops basically a pick six at the end of the half, and then he makes that crazy leaping in, uh, interception in the end zone to, to essentially clinch the game. But, yeah, just Rams got to finish better um, for the Falcons. Uh, good on them to not quit, but uh, still not taking too much away from Atlanta. Still a team that, you know, when the when the Rams were really pressing and, and playing uh, well and Stafford wasn't making confusing throws uh, uh, for a couple of the picks, uh it still looked like Atlanta was outclassing this one for most of it. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Kyle Pitts, but as a fantasy owner of his, I would like to 
Let me see how that uh, is figured yeah. out. And I think using Kyle Pitts is probably better than not using it. But what do I know? I am just hosting a, a podcast. Um, all right. The Seahawks and the Niners. Uh, of course, the biggest one coming out of this. 49ers win 27-7. But Trey Lance is out for the season. Um, yep. Very unfortunate because, again, I I mean, I think a lot of people are going to read into Trey Lance with that one game and sloppy weather in Chicago. Um, and it would have been obviously nice to be able to see kind of how he could have progressed this season. But out of the year, um, broken ankle, Jimmy G's back, and uh, the Niners cruise to a win here 27-7. Yeah, paid off keeping Jimmy G. Um, would have been interesting to see what the team would have done and what the storylines would have been if they had cut or traded yeah. Jimmy, if they'd cut, you know, traded him for a really low-round pick or just cut him. Uh, now they can kind of run it back with the same thing last year. Let's go for all the yak yards and scheming things up and hoping the run, running game can be a bit better. I know the interior of the line, as I talked about last week, is still have concerns about. But, yeah, they took care of business. The defense, the 49ers defense is nasty. I think we knew that. And uh, the, I think as long as they uh, just stay the course on offense and don't turn the ball over, and overall this is still going to be a, a playoff team in the NFC, in my opinion. They a good bounce back win for them but yeah with Trey it's just so unfortunate because we don't get to know what could have been uh, we're going to set the wait another year good he had surgery this morning and good news on that he didn't have a compound fracture like Dak's injury and overall it sounded like everything was going to be uh, able to heal up fine it's just going to take time obviously and that's that's brutal for them and brutal for him and his development because we still haven't really seen him play much football you know he played basically one season at North Dakota State he played like one game in 2020 with like their COVID uh season where they didn't even have really a season and then uh you know last year just a couple spot starts so it's just a lot of unknown still for Trey and the uh, the potential and all the excitement there yeah it's it's, it's just kind of feels it's it's unfortunate for him um, but for the Niners, they st- that's why you have the insurance policy. Kyle Juszczyk talked about it, and, yeah, that, that's why you keep Jimmy G. Well, this next one, Broncos, Texans, 16-9. This was not pretty. Um, booing. The Boo Birds were out for the Broncos as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, Dylan, I don't usually – you know I don't like to throw coaches under the bus, but, oh, my. Um, Daniel Hackett's going to – and have a lot of questioning as he continues if they, if they continue on this trajectory um because i even as a Cortland sutton fantasy owner uh i would i don't know what they're doing sometimes offensively but um yeah this was the broncos won but in all honesty like there were times where it feels like the broncos lost this game because they just they did not look great here and i don't want to take anything away from the texans but um this was ooh, this was a rough one at times yeah i mean so far we we kind of talked about an afc west Chiefs and Chargers just seem kind of like they're on a on a, a little bit different yeah. level. There's just some miss, uh, just things that are missing a little bit for both Denver, and we'll get to the Raiders in a sec. But yeah, it was it was not pretty. The defense played fine, but I wouldn't say that Houston has an offensive attack that's going to really threaten most teams uh, in the league. So I'm not giving too much credit to Denver's defense for holding Houston to nine points there. Um, I mean, it helped to get the win, but yeah, a lot of things have to be figured out on offense. They and they ran the ball decently. Like, you look at the stats for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon with averages of 5 yards, 4.7, over 25 carries between the two of them. Like, that should set up things a bit better in the past. And I know the injury to Judy hurts, and, uh, you know, Sutton did have a pretty solid performance across the board by the end of it. But, yeah, definitely some things to work out in Denver. Clock management, uh, a ton of issues there. Again, it was hilarious with the – the crowd counting down um, the play clock every single time in the second half uh, to make sure they all knew it. It sounded like a college basketball crowd that's trying to mess with the team that uh, with like doing a fake shot clock countdown, except it was accurate. But other, overall, at least they get the win. But um, a lot of adjustments going to be a t- you know I think they I'm, I'm pretty sure they play the Niners this week. Um, that's going to be a really tough matchup against that defense in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think so, for sure, given what we've seen thus far. All right, the Cardinals and Raiders. This was another wild one. Yeah. You were talking about, uh, you know, AFC West setting yourself apart. Uh, the Raiders are going in the wrong direction here because uh, they were up, was it 20 nothing at one point in this game? Yeah. 20 nothing at halftime, for sure. And then uh, Cardinals come back, went at 29-23 in overtime. And, oh, boy, yeah, if you're the, you're the Raiders, this is one you're also look, looking back on another – First coach, although he's been a head coach before, uh, suffering a, a pretty brutal loss here 
at home against the Cardinals. Yeah, it was an insane game, and it took a lot of hero kind of plays. The, the two-point conversion, the first one where Kyler ran around, I think the next-gen stats that he ran like 80 yards on the whole play before running it in. Just crazy things like that had to happen. Even they take the delay of game on the second two-point conversion that go from the 7.5, and, and they still get it. I mean, it took a lot of... Uh, stuff to keep the Cardinals in it the Raiders still I mean just a brutal loss for them because we know how tough it is and going to be in the AFC to get in the playoffs especially in their division and they had yeah they controlled this game they did I mean the first half you're like wow okay yeah the Raiders are going to be just fine the Chargers are a solid team they last week they could have won that one didn't it's fine let's adjust and they looked great they just couldn't finish the offense I mean just a really disappointing second half against the Char- uh, uh, Cardinals defense that they really were handling at times the first half to only come away with three more points and I know Tougher Renfro with a couple fumbles there, especially the second one where he, I believe he got a concussion or at least was getting checked for one on the final hit. The first one a little less excusable with that fumble. The second one, I mean, he got popped in just a crazy play. But, man, they just have to finish better. They had some other missed opportunities on that on that overtime drive with a, a pass thrown behind Devontae Adams or it looked like he could have been open. They all need a field goal to win that game. They're right there. And, man, just a a really big missed opportunity, but good for the Cardinals to not quit. And Kyler, man, just some crazy plays. It looked it was having flashbacks to Justin Herbert in that Week 18 game in in the same stadium in Vegas, just converting all these fourth downs and all these uh, big conversions. It was nuts to watch. Yeah, it was uh, just a crazy, crazy game. Um, All right, the Bears and the Packers, we wrap it up here. Um, Excuse me, Packers 27, Bears 10. This one kind of played out as expected, I think. Um, you know, I didn't really give the Bears, even though coming off the win against the Niners, didn't really give them much of a chance here. It just felt like the Packers coming off the loss and how bad they looked in Minnesota. You felt like they were going to bounce back here, and they took care of business off to a, a big start in terms of just having a big first half, and they really just didn't need a whole lot after that. Yeah, the, the ground game was working. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were having, having their way um, throughout the game. The Bears... Had one decent drive to start the to game that took the lead, and then it was three and out, three and out. They were just going in reverse. They were stuck in their own end for most of the game. The Packers' defense, as we've talked about, they looked pretty good at the end of last year. Uh, tough week. Uh, so, you know, It's going to be tough against Minnesota and Justin Jefferson the week ago, but they bounced back in a big way uh, without the, a few of the unforced turnovers from the Packers. Uh, we're looking at even more lopsided scores. So, yeah, just kind of went the way – uh, that we expected and probably one looking back this should have been should have been a consideration for betting lock of the week all right dylan uh stock up stock down we're gonna do uh three here as we look at uh just kind of you know what we've seen on each side i mean i told you before we started i think in terms of like stock up for me uh like this detroit lions offense i know mm-hmm. it's it's crazy for us to be talking about the lions but i would put this in consideration for me just because i think that you know, we knew they had some pieces in place before the season started, and you know, but given what they've done in the first two weeks against you know Philadelphia and Washington, which I don't know, you know, elite defenses necessarily, but uh, still, I think there's a lot to like about this Lions offense. That would be one I would certainly uh, consider for this section uh, in terms of just the stock up. Yeah, we'll learn a bit about them uh, more about them over the next few weeks. And they play defenses like New England, Dallas, not too far off. Uh, they get the Vikings next week, but I agree. I mean that. This offensive line has looked fantastic. Um, they've set the tone and given Jared the time that he needs to to go through his reads. He's play. I mean, he's playing solid. And if he has time to throw, and and they're and they're making things work and with the scheme and Amon Ross St. Brown again has looked fantastic. Yeah, uh, stock very high on the lines for sure. Yeah, I think they are uh, definitely moving their way on up. Uh, other stocks rising. I mean, definitely we have to consider the Jags here because as you said, I think given where, you know, I know it's a it's one week, but I mean, the Jags as a as an AFC title contender, not AFC title, AFC South title yeah. contender. I think the stock has to be up there too given what we've seen. Uh, from the rest of the division uh, thus far. Yeah, there are a few mistakes from being 2-0. and They really could have beaten the yeah. Commanders, and I, I, we don't know how good the Commanders really are. But nonetheless, I mean, just a complete performance by this team. But I think, like, as you mentioned, the offense, uh, it's just some fun things happening. And just look like an NFL offense, which I, I would say at times last year they did not uh, have the appearance of a professional uh, unit there. So, yeah, there's uh, given where they were going in the season, I thought there was optimism. But I'd say their stock has definitely has definitely gone up and Trevor's in particular back you know maybe we're not saying like when he came into the league that he's the best 
quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or some people saying since John Elway. I mean, kind of create ridiculous expectations put on this guy. Um, but I still think, yeah, after what happened last year, I think we can start to, to believe again after a year that was kind of tough to even really evaluate. All right, Dylan, I'm going to give you my other one here. I think this is one that's uh, – I'm going the opposite because I think before the season it said who are we going to regret drafting in fantasy <laughs> leagues. And I think we did it by division maybe. I don't remember how mm-hmm. we did it. We split it up somehow. But I said Tyreek Hill and <laughs> X that. Cross that off right now because the stock for Tyreek Hill is all the way back up. Um, forget everything I said about him because uh, that just showed you what he can do. And, you know, you could probably tie two into this as well and the entire Dolphins offense. Yeah. But I think specifically Tyreek Hill, uh, anyone who had any questions about if he would still be able to do the things in Miami that he could do in, in Kansas City. Um, I know it's one, you know, game in terms of having a game like that, but this guy is still just ultra talented and can do anything he wants. Yeah, they're using him in, in ways that yeah, at times maybe we didn't always see in Kansas City where just the route tree is, seems complete. Yeah, he does his patented two uh, deep touchdowns there in the late in the fourth quarter um, to help that comeback happen. But over the course of the game, he's making – Throw, uh, making plays over the middle of the field and the intermediate routes, still doing the screen stuff that he did a lot in Kansas City. But I think Tyreek, definitely his stock is up. My Between him and Jalen Waddle, between those two guys, I mean, they're both of their stocks, fantasy-wise, have to be so far up. Jalen, I had expect, uh, you know solid expectations with his target share that he got at the end of last season. But it is, I'm not expecting 19 targets every week like the, he got this week. But, I mean, he's going to be a big part of this team. And between the two of them, it's just so much speed. And, and Jalen, I mean, it's just a perfect guy in Tyreek to learn from with his effectiveness with being the quick kind of twitch and you see similar uh, attributes from Waddle at times a bit bigger but not not exactly a huge guy but he's still able to move in, in, in quick spurts and, and change the direction with without losing speed the, the way that Tyreek is unique in that way and I think that you see that a bit with Waddle so yeah those two guys two uh, I think you like you mentioned those are the Dolphins offense I don't know what the you know defense did not look great Lamar looked fantastic, but um, I, I think the stock, yeah, for the Dolphins' offense has to be high, and they've done a good job with an offensive line that you know don't have a ton of expectations for. So far, they've limited how that has impacted their their output, and we'll see how they, if they can keep it going. Anything else that stands out for you in terms of obvious stocks up? I mean, look, we could go a bunch of different directions here. I know we're trying to limit it to just a yeah. few, but. Um... Anything else that kind of stands out? Uh, yeah, Waddle was definitely in the, in the Dolphins were one that I was going to look at. Maybe I'm being too negative. I, I think stock downs are where I, I start having a, yeah. a better idea. Yeah, in I term, got quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I mean the Colts in general, I mean we already talked about it, but they're God, the whole it's it's across the board right now you know they, they cut their kicker they obviously could have won last week and even if they had beaten houston last week that was going to be an ugly victory where they should have deserved to lose really and they end up getting the tie but man i the offense for indianapolis i know Pittman wasn't in there but if it really takes one guy and i you know to go from being at least at least serviceable to that bad like yeah you're gonna have a drop off but it was it was it was striking to watch and i'm not overly looking at this defense as a dominant unit they have some solid players but it just hasn't come together all the way so i think for them their their stocks um definitely down i'll try to think of like one more stock up i mean looking across the board here we'll see what happens with with the bills tonight i think after week one if we had done it then their stock would have even though you know we had i had picked them to win the super bowl how much higher could their stock be but i think with how they the way they dominated the rams in that first game we'll see what they do tonight but um there maybe that's one that i could have thrown in there but the negative ones are came a little easier this week i think just some teams that didn't impress uh, given what my expectations were yeah i think that's about right i mean like you know again like the broncos play yep. calling mm-hmm. is probably one that you could definitely put on that list uh, with where they're at i mean we talked about just the raiders and you know i don't know i just feel like losing a game like that that's pretty disappointing for them um you know so maybe the partly our stock on the entire AFC West is down as a whole, but that's probably more due to the Broncos and the Raiders and kind of the yeah. the underwhelming starts they've gotten off to. Um, Bengals, I think, obviously has to be you know considered yep. one of them just because, I mean, look, we we did not expect the Bengals to be sitting here at 0-2, and knowing that they don't have the easiest schedule, especially in that back half, uh, not ideal. So that's 
certainly some of the stuff uh, that kind of stands out for me in terms of the, the stock down. So yeah, I think the Bengals were probably the next team that with the the Colts that you have to point out. I mean, they they made the Super Bowl last year, and I know that some people didn't really still even believe in them after they made the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of talk of the disrespect towards the Bengals going into this year. But again, they they played a lot of banged up defenses. They played a lot of bad quarterbacks during that stretch. Yes, they beat Mahomes twice, and uh, still Joe Burrow you even saw it in that last tying drive. Like he still has it in him to make some big throws and, and come up in the clutch, but as a whole um man it, it just was sluggish I, I still think there's a chance for them to turn it around but yeah they're for the, for the time being um and it, yeah little things here and there maybe they, they are two and oh at least one and one but uh stock definitely a little bit lower for them um one other stock up player i guess i'd throw in would have been garrett wilson I, we talked about him a bit but he looks the part like he already looks i don't know what yeah. if his fantasy wise what his value is going to be still in the jets and i don't know week to week how much you can rely on that but i, I just overall as a player i mean he so far there's drake london looked pretty good for the for the falcons this week and some overall solid performances uh but so far i think he's the one rookie receiver that has just been like all right this guy is this guy's going to be a problem for a while yeah, I mean, I think on the opposite end of that, uh, the Falcons' usage of Kyle Pitts is uh, a <laughs> down for me because yep. I don't know what they're doing. And uh, how about yeah. Arthur Smith's play calling is stocked down in my books just because I don't know I don't know what they're doing half the time with him. And I would say that they almost had a chance to beat the Rams, but um, I still don't understand some of the things they do with Kyle Pitts. So that, to me, is uh, definitely one that stands out there. All right, Dylan, uh, let's talk about some waiver wire pickups before we wrap up uh, on the fantasy market. And I think the one you said, Garrett Wilson, is probably one of the more obvious ones out there if he is available in your league. You know, we always say you don't know what to do with the wide receivers. I think there's probably a couple of those. Um, Traylon Burks is another I've seen mentioned. Uh, again, you know, look, we're talking about this on Monday during the day. Maybe he goes off and has a big game against the Bills and all this is irrelevant, but um, I think Garrett Wilson's an, an obvious one. I mean, I think, look, if you're if you're looking at it from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, I don't think Jimmy G's going to put up the biggest numbers, but, no. <laughs> um, you know, if you need him, he's there. But I think the better quarterback choice, and I told you this yep. when we started recording, I think Jared Goff is, and it goes back to the Lions offense. Like, I think that they have enough playmakers on their team to give them a potential to, to put up some points. Now, like you said, they're going to get Minnesota – in week three, uh, they get Seattle after that. I got to go to New England. So they're not going to have some easy matchups. But I think with the playmakers on that offense, those are some of the ones to me uh, that kind of stand out as, as some of the better pickups this week. Running back wise, I think you could. I mean, this is not a, this is not a great week for running backs. a lot that necessarily I love. But um, yeah, like I just don't. I don't see like a, a huge group here to pick from. Yeah, we kind of talked about that going into the year. That running back, it just and I, as I went through into other drafts after the first one I did this season, I kind of adjusted my expectations for how that was going to dry up, yeah. and it, you're seeing that to an extent. Um, quarterback wise, yeah, I think you you nailed it. I mean, technically Trevor Lawrence is under 49.8 percent, so he's just under that 50 percent where kind of the cutoff on ESPN for waiver wire pickups i'd maybe include him in there but i think like you said goff has a chance to put up some pretty big numbers um in this offense and even if they give up a lot of points on defense they're going to be passing to get back into games i think overall yeah he's a potential for on a team he's a classic guy that's going to ultimately get some garbage time yards but um a big time uh, you know if you had an injury like yourself with trey lance i mean he's definitely one of the guys i'd be looking at running back as you mentioned i'm trying to look down the list and it is Beyond the fifty percent roster guys, it is it is pretty brutal. Um, yeah. you, you'd almost have to do something that's really tough to do, and it's almost impossible to do, which is like pick players on teams where you think maybe you know this guy's a little injury uh, prone, and maybe this will be the number one guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cleo Herbert's usage was decent last night in, in the game against the Packers. Uh, he didn't put up a high total, but at least you look at guys that are getting on the field and getting opportunities, but. Uh, it's a it's 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 rough out there. It's not like last week where it was like Jeff Wilson was an easy pickup idea just because you knew the Niners were gonna have to have someone fill in for Elijah Mitchell receiver wise. A little bit uh, a little bit better maybe. Um, I, I don't know. Like I still think when Gallup's back, he's only in forty four percent. I think that he. I mean, we saw what Noah Brown just did. 
in that game. He put up a huge fantasy total. I think Gallup has a chance to still be a big part of that offense when he's on the field. It's just a matter of when. So if you have room on your bench to stash him, uh, I think that's a decent uh, uh, opportunity. I think Devin Duvernay for sure is one that it, after his week one solid performance, it was like, is this a bit of an aberration? And no, I mean, he, he still put up a, another big performance. I'm really high just overall on what the Ravens passing offense can be and what it has started to become and how they have adjusted to what teams did to them last year. So Duvernay, uh, that's one guy that I'll be uh, trying to you – know, someone will probably get him in front of me in one of our leagues. But um, that's one one position that I'm looking at. And then tight end, that's always a tougher one. But I'd say that Gerald Everett is still worth mentioning because it, he, it's back-to-back games where he's out there a lot. They're, they're making him a, a, you know, a concerted effort to get them the ball. And, yeah, when Keenan Allen's back – his usage is going to probably be lower, but I still think if you're like if you have an injured tight end or you're just like not sure about uh, some of the guys that you got, if you don't have one of those top tier ones, and even as you mentioned with Kyle Pitts getting at least in one of our leagues a two point nine total, that's I think it's half PPR in this one, um, and still not putting up the best performances. If you're unsure and you you see a good matchup, I, I do think that Gerald Everett. I wouldn't say it's just a one or two week thing. Um, not saying he's going to be like a dominant top four tight end but I, I think he has a chance to at least enter that uh, group of six to ten tight end range and by the end of it be t- t- tight end like six seven uh just based on it early on in the year they look like they really like what the, he can do and uh are going to have him be a, uh, one of their options especially in the red zone yeah uh, there's not a lot to choose from like you said if there's a especially like tight end it's such a oh it's a it's yeah. a rough group Fantasy-wise, but uh, yeah, for sure, running back situation is not great in terms. Of, I think looking at just like you said, maybe just picking someone that could eventually move forward on the depth chart. Wide receiver, I still think there's a lot of good options out there. Um, you know, which the, I think the depth of wide receiver has been really good, anyways. And then, yeah. like we said, quarterback-wise, I mean, if you're someone who had Trey Lance like me and you're hunting, I did pick up. I picked up Justin Fields in one of my um, in one of my leagues before the week started just out of you know I was, I was thinking okay let's say Trey Lance has another bad game which yeah. I don't certainly didn't expect him to get hurt but you know I think like Fields Jared Goff even like a Daniel Jones I don't think is the worst option um, no but you know some, some options like that guys that could like that will run like that I mean I know Goff's not on that list but he's putting up enough without it but mm-hmm. um that is always something that I think you can look at in terms of the waiver wire with especially with your quarterback so yeah I'd say the one not to overreact to is Joe Flacco I I'm not uh no, I'm not gonna that. take that game and say all right the, he's back baby the man's is oh, Joe Flacco elite conversation coming back no but I think yeah, you okay. you mentioned it with Goff and I think Daniel Jones is a good point he you know consistently puts up solid fantasy numbers even if his actual numbers don't look great um one maybe that's i mean he's a little over 50 percent owned um so it doesn't really count as carson wentz i i don't know how he's gonna throw some picks he's gonna have some weird plays but there's a chance their offense is gonna still put up some points over the course of the year and they have a weaker schedule so one that if you're in one of those leagues, if you're in that 44 percent of leagues where he's not owned maybe he's a, a decent option but i think you still with um with goff i think that's the one guy that i think lawrence a lot of people are probably going to try to jump on him if they're not if he's not owned in your league just based on this one game people might overreact and think all right here he's, he's coming he's coming but goff is so deep down there that uh you should have an easier time hopefully if you want him there you go uh there are thoughts on uh, the week in the nfl of course we'll have our uh, picks for week uh, three coming up here uh, on our next episode. But for now, they want a lot of stuff over Clutch Points. Uh, let everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, you can go to the Clutch Points app to follow all of the NFL games. So you can also go in the NFL section there to read all of our content, uh, clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Or if you search fantasy football, then we'll have our waiver wire pickups. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be published uh, to, to coincide with the podcast tomorrow. Um, tons of stuff, tons of takeaways, tons of quotes reactions from all these teams a lot of a lot of stuff from especially the dolphins game obviously with the, with the ravens but the, the niners situation how you know interesting uh, to the dynamic there with how the team is you know obviously sad about lance but still you know moving on and a lot of a lot of jimmy g fans were already in that locker room so it's going to be an interesting dynamic and a storyline to follow there but yeah all that anything any nfl fallout anything that happens this week all the injury updates you can find all those uh on clutchpoints.com in the nfl section yep check it all out there be sure to subscribe to the podcast any podcast after you search for establish the past and uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast and i'll talk to you next time on the establish